Welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Well, just like we all expected. Just like we all expected. Number 19, Oregon goes to the desert to Tucson. And they beat Arizona 44 to 15. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. It was the other way around. Ducks fall, getting dominated in this one. Final score, Arizona 44, Oregon 15. And the number 19 team in the country goes down. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax here on the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. I tell you what, Neil. This is shocking in so many ways. Where to begin? After we saw this team get dominated in the first half in Pullman last week, before coming back in the second half, they get dominated in the first half this week in Tucson, and there was no comeback to be had. This was shocking on so many levels. Yeah, from start to beginning. I mean, from the start to the end. I We listened to all the commentators on ESPN, uh, on the radio. I, I don't think anybody picked Arizona to win this football game. I'm still on the MVP. It's still Jake Luton. I'm still going to go with the Oregon State Beavers. Let's talk more about them than this game. Yeah, God bless John and Smith and the Beavers, and congratulations there. But the Ducks, maybe those first three games, that preseason, we all got caught up in the hype, caught up in the scoring, Duck mania. This is what they used to be like, 19 different uniforms. They're flashy. They're sexy. They'll do this. The best quarterback in the nation. I mean, we were actually talking about Justin Herbert, should I go pro? Should I go? How, how about just completing a pass? I mean, it it was no question his worst game as a college quarterback, and a lot of work to be done from numbers to numbers. That's what I call it, from end zone to end zone. And Mario Cristobal has got to look in his crystal ball and to figure out where do you start to put band aids on this thing. And maybe it's not band aids; it's surgery. And I don't see a lot of players stepping up now to be the leaders of this football team. It, it, it was a disgrace. It was embarrassing. And, as you said, shocking to be beat this bad. And it wasn't even this close. This It should have been 28-8 to eight at halftime. I mean, you had three to four turnovers, and Oregon's defense held them to three field goals. Those could have easily been touchdowns, especially after the block punt. So people who watch this game from start to finish, this this – score indicates really how it should have been the whole way. Absolutely the worst game in the Oregon career of Justin Herbert. 24 for 48, 186 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and maybe the most shocking stat of all, 3.9 yards per pass attempt. 3.9 for a guy that we were talking about as not even the possible, the probable first quarterback off the board in the NFL draft. Neil, how can you explain this type of a game from Justin Herbert? I really can't explain it because I was the one hyping him like everybody else. I fell in love with the guy last year. Uh, I still respect his game, respect his intelligence. But as I watched this game, uh, as it progressed, he digressed. I mean, it, you can really see in his feet. And that's where it starts with a, with a thrower, with a quarterback, the accuracy. It starts from the feet up. And I was watching him get a lot of hurried uh, pressure early on. And I call it happy feet. You see a lot of pity pack going on with those feet. And it starts from there. If the feet start getting nervous, your upper body gets nervous, the arm follows through. Very inaccurate throwing for a guy that, to me, 
is one of the most accurate passers, not just in the West Coast, but in the nation. And so all this hype about let's talk about going pro or staying for another year, let's just talk about being an efficient quarterback and, and start doing what you were doing the first four or five weeks of the season. Does a game like this affect your decision on next year? I mean, that's what all the fans are going to want to talk about. That's what you know people in the media are going to want to talk about. A game like this, you know, silver lining if you're a Duck fan, well, maybe this is a type of game that will motivate Justin Herbert to come back for another season in Eugene. Now, I understand that's probably the last thing on his mind. I understand that. But from a narrative standpoint, Neil, could you not make an argument that he might not be ready for the NFL like we all thought? Is that narrative fair? Yeah, maybe this class is not the greatest quarterback class. Right. I mean, I, I saw the list go up there. You had four or five guys up there that are, you know, really unknowns at different schools that aren't really lighting it up. I mean, I was just talking about right now, statistically, and who's the most effective quarterback, maybe not just the West Coast. It's the West Coast for sure is Garden Menchu wow. from Washington State. I mean, what he's doing, the numbers he's putting up, you can talk about the system all you want, but that was a hell of a game today in Stanford. I mean, 40 for 50. So you can talk about the numbers. Justin Herbert has the size. He has everything the pros want you to, but is he now a first-round pick? That performance today would say no. You're not. A, I don't. I don't want to waste a first-round pick on a quarterback. That let's go back to last week. How about that first half? Was that anomaly? Maybe not. Now, so the next four games would be really interesting to see how this plays out. Not just how well he comes back, but just 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 a stamp on this team. The foot the footprint and the stamp from Mario Cristobal right now. I'm kind of questioning. What 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 are you? What is your brand? What is your flaw? What kind of team are you now? Because man, you just went down there and laid an egg. Absolute egg on a very mediocre team. It's Arizona. They haven't proved anything all, all year. And you go down there and you're the Oregon Ducks. And it's just very frustrating and disappointing to watch that that effort from kickoff to the end. If you're still up and awake and want to uh you know chime in on this 503-417-7575, 503-417-7575 as the Oregon Ducks lay a big egg in this one, a final score of uh, 41 to 15. And 44. 44. Don't forget that field goal. Couldn't believe it. 44 to 15. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, though, when they made it a 16 to 8 game, I thought that Oregon was going to come back and own it the rest of the way. I really did. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a second half to remember. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, hey, it happened with the Beavers today. I mean, 31 to 3. Let's just go back to that for a while and have them come back the way they did in Boulder. So I, I, was, I was watching this game with you. We're kind of, okay. It's just Hank, because it should it felt like 28 to 8. Let's face it, middle of the third quarter, Oregon had eight first downs and eight punts. Middle of the third quarter, eight first downs and eight punts. Ooh. That is unbelievable. Marcus Arroyo, I, I, you're, in, you're in your booth with the offensive coordinator headset just going, what am I doing? What do I call? Yeah. What can I do? What can I call that will work? Because nothing was working. And, hey, it was number 10 to number 13. That's all you're trying to see all game long is – Justin Herbert trying to get the ball to Dylan Mitchell. That's the only target you had all night? Uh, they don't have any more threats on the outside like we thought. Where was Jalen Red making an impact? Where was Johnny Johnson trying to make an impact? Or Brendan Schooler just wasn't there for the most uh, for the large majority of this game. 503-417-7575. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Taking you up till midnight. 
We'll break down Justin Herbert's numbers a little bit further and give some credit to Khalil Tate and that Arizona defense. We'll get into that coming up. 503-417-7575. Your reaction to the Ducks getting dominated in Tucson. Who saw that coming? I, for one, surely did not. Uh, Neil Lomax across from me. Neil, you didn't see this one coming either. I was reading Arizona Wildcat, you know, fan blogs all week. None of them saw this coming. All of them predicted a Oregon win by 20-plus. And yet, the Ducks didn't just lose this game. They got dominated. Dominated from start to finish. You mentioned it in our first segment of the postgame show. This has to be a gut check moment, though, for Mario Cristobal and his coaching staff. Where do they begin when they try to analyze what happened here? Well, you, you got to start with the Washington State game, and there's been glimpses of this off and on against Stanford, that implosion the last quarter, quarter and a half at home, and how well they played in the first half. So there's been signs. What the symptom is, don't really know. And that's something, you know, the, the tape doesn't lie. So film doesn't, when you go watch it and you're going to find out you're never as bad as you thought you played, I mean, you're never as good as you thought you played because something else happened. So losing Dallas Warmack, Panay Sewell, the offensive line, ha- having the running game that ineffective, I look at that. But let's just start giving out, you know, attaboys and credit. Marcel Yates, the defensive coordinator, the game plan, the excitement, the energy, those guys are flying around. I'm calling schoolers, heck of a linebacker. But they had, you know, Scotty Young, uh, Tony Fields was flying around making plays. And those big boys up front, Johnson is a big boy. And Bowles up front defensively, number 99, those guys were causing all kinds of havoc and putting a lot of pressure on Justin. One of the things that people don't see in the stat book are hurries, mm. pressures. You'll see the sacks. You'll see incompletes and all that. But he must have had, I think, well, I counted nine hurries, which means he was getting hit or someone was in his face affecting his throw, affecting his mechanics, which really throws a quarterback off. And it was from the get-go that happened. And, uh, yeah, yeah, very dominating defensive performance. And I give Marcel Yates, the defensive coordinator, a lot of credit for that. Unbelievable. From a 10th-ranked defense in the conference, all right, let's go out to Beaverton and uh, get your reaction from this game. Mike is in Beaverton. Mike, where to begin from this blowout loss for Oregon? Oh, that was absolutely brutal, guys. But I think, you know, I think Tracy Clays laid out the plan for Oregon last week. And I just think the defensive coordinator from Arizona followed it. They put the blueprint on how to beat Oregon. You put, you know, um, they, you know, they figured out, I think they figured out Herbert and figuring out Oregon. And I, I just, you know, who, who is Oregon? I mean, they they beat a Cal team that was, that you know, okay on the road. They, they beat them. That was their only road win, right? Then you beat a Washington team that got beat today by Cal. So I'm, I'm looking at that victory. I mean, who have you really played and beat? I mean, I, I really don't know who this team is. You know, and I just, I, I say it again. I like Mario Cristobal, God love him, but, you know, if you look at the top five teams in the country, if those jobs come open, Mario Cristobal is not even getting an interview. And I, I just I think the job – and so, so same thing with Willie Taggart. I don't know why Oregon goes after these. The job is too big for these coaches that they're hiring. You know, you know what is Mario Cristobal's philosophy? 
I mean, what? I mean, what? What is this calling card? I mean, what is it? What, I, I I don't know what it is. I I said it all along. Oregon needed a big name coach to take over this program after Chip Kelly. And to me, until you get that guy, you're going to keep seeing the same stuff. Yeah, I can't uh, disagree with you there, Mike. And I got to agree with you as well. I did see some shades of the Washington State defensive game plan crop its ugly head in Tucson tonight, too. I mean, the way that, you know, the, we were watching the game together, Neil, but the way that the pass rush was coming after Herbert on third down, I mean, Oregon was terrible on third down in this game. And even the close balls that he was throwing up to Mitchell were getting contested and knocked down by the secondary. And I was shocked to see that out of an Arizona team that's frankly been porous in the past game and been not that much better against the run this year. They look like an elite defense tonight against an Oregon offense that was converting 48% on third down. It's just you don't. College football just throws these wacky curveballs to you sometimes and says, oh, you think you understand this game? We're going to go ahead and give you Arizona upsetting Oregon by you know, 30 points when they were 10-point underdogs. Yeah, and it wasn't just a touchdown or two. It was a dominating performance. And Mike's got a good point about game planning defensively now. When you just have Dylan Mitchell, now you're going to press with a man on top. We call it tag with one high. And you're going to take away 13. So you take away number 13. Where's Johnny Johnson? Uh, where's Schooler? Uh, where's Jacob Breeland? Um, Jalen Red. I mean, we, we saw several of their, quote, talented playmakers in week one, two, three, and a little bit in four in the first half, and then it's been limited since then. So that is defense. He's, he's right. These defensive coordinators now, hey, we take away 13, and we put some pressure with three or four uh, of our rushers, and we're going to get pressure on number 10. And he struggled it. I will say this, though, about Mario Cristobal. I, I think we all know his philosophy. We know his, his footprint. His, his fingerprints are all over. He's a physica, physical guy. We're going offensive line. We're going downhill. And the notes I made in this game, it was showed. This is what he's about. When you get a turnover, when you get the punt, when you get a sudden change, my philosophy is, man, you go for a big play right away. Play action. Go something deep. You try to get a chunk. You try to get an explosive play. Every single time Oregon got the ball from a turnover or a sudden change, they ran the football. They ran the football. So that, that's, their, that's his philosophy, guys. People are Mike, everybody else. That's what he's about. I'm going to show you guys I'm going to run the football down your throat. Well, how'd that work out? Because tonight, Justin Herbert was your leading rusher <laughs> with 31 yards. You, only had, you had 23 total rushing carries, 23 for 84 yards. Uh, conversely to that, here's Arizona. 51 carries for 276 yards. 51 rushing attempts compared to Oregon's 23, and J.J. Taylor got 30 of those for 212 yards. That's a Mario Cristobal footprint, is what Arizona just did. And we talked with James Kirby of the Oregonian before that, and he was saying how you know Arizona has good rushing numbers against a lot of bad teams this year. Well, Oregon was allegedly so, the yeah. good team, but <laughs> he gonna, might be right. He might be right. I guess Oregon's <laughs> not that good. And they're going to fall out of the rankings next week. And guess what? This is going to be great. Well, guess, yeah. who, guess who the new chair of the college football playoff committee is? <laughs> it's Rob Mullins. Athletic director for Oregon. The AD of Oregon. How's Tuesday at 4 o'clock going to feel when you see Rob Mullins and his first-year head coach, Mario Cristobal, who just got pounded in back-to-back weeks on the road? 
get on that ESPN set with Reese Davis and talk about that college football playoff. And he's going to say, well, you know, my Ducks aren't even in the top 25. <laughs> well, what, and, and the what best Pac-12, team, exactly. What Pac-12 team is even the top? Washington State might roll the top 10. And yes. Maybe. But nobody else in the Pac-12 should be even the in the conversation. They're not in the conversation, and Wazoo is the only team in the conversation, and they've been sabotaged by their own conference. (laughs) And the CFP chair, Rob Mullins, is going to take the ESPN camera, and he's going to have to answer for that. The optics are going to be terrible. And I'll tell you what, Neil, (laughs) I have no idea if Oregon can beat UCLA next week. And they just got rolled up at home. And it's, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek because I know Oregon's more talented, but they were more talented than Arizona, and they got the doors blown off. So what's to say that they deserve to be even favored against UCLA? Yeah, what, what It might is be said, hyperbole, but, but yeah, seriously, man. I mean, this is so disappointing. We need we need the sound, you know, and you'll get them from Mario Cristobal and some of the uh, – from the media, what he's saying in the locker room about, hey, I'm still proud of the guys uh, – you know, there's no quitting to them, but I don't know. I, I I did not see that type of attitude, that type of performance in the second half. I mean, Arizona had had 37 on them and still ran the ball 14 times for a 15 play drive, and JJ Taylor takes it in to make it 44 to 15. So there was kind of a quit there, and it's it is disappointing. I'm I'm very curious how he comes, how he spins this. To, to be, th- these are his boys. These are my guys. We're in the trenches together. We're going to keep the process. It's about the process and results to find that. So it'd be interesting to see what he says. He is Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. Ducks get rolled. More of your reaction. 503 417 Peter Sampson will have a scoreboard update as well. Two more segments. We'll take you to midnight. The Oregon College Football Postgame Show. 1029 750 the game. Take wide open man in the end zone. Touchdown. Boy, that's too easy for Poindexter. Yeah, he's got a pretty good field position here, a low snap. Namon is able to get rid of it. Brown at the 32. Down to the sideline, has a block. And he is caught at the 45 of Oregon. Boy, Arizona playing like their hair is on fire. Like their hair is on fire, and that was the case from beginning to end. Welcome back to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. I'm Judah Newby, and the College Football Hall of Famer, Neil Lomax, joins me. Neil, shocking on so many levels, this Ducks blowout loss in Tucson, Tucson 44-15. to And there was a moment in the first half when Oregon was able to finally score. They picked up a third and nine on a 20-yard rush by Justin Herbert. And then there was a 29-yard pitch catch and run by Dylan Mitchell to get to Paydirt. They go for two. Herbert scrambles and gets it, makes it a 16-8 to game. At that point, I thought Oregon was back in control, and I thought they were going to reestablish themselves in the second half, and they didn't. This was not quite like Wazoo, where it was 27-0 in the blink of an eye. They had a chance to get back in this game in the first half, and i got to be honest, a better performance by Justin Herbert and by the receivers as well on the outside, they probably do crawl back into this game because the defense gave them enough opportunity to keep it close. Yeah, we were waiting for that. We were sitting there, okay, it's going to happen. Just like at Washington State, and you're right, it was at the 9-17 left in the second quarter, and Oregon makes it 16-8, to and Justin Herbert takes that two-point conversion again with his feet. He made a big conversion with his feet again, and but the big play was, you know, Kevin Sublin goes for it with 3-10 left in the half. It's fourth and one. 
and they run it, and they get two yards instead of kicking a field goal. They could kick the field goal, make it 19-8, and they go for it, and they go down and score and make that thing 23-8 to at half. But, man, the block punt, in the first, again, in the first half, I, I made this comment. Earlier, early in the third quarter, there were eight punts by Oregon. Eight with six minutes and 30 seconds left in the third quarter. Already eight punts. They had seven all along in their most punts ever in the game so far this year. And eight, only eight first downs. So defensively, they were disrupting Oregon's offense in, in both ways, passing and running. Again, I, I go back to Justin, the one he feels so bad about. He just had a difficult time finding his reads, making the correct adjustments, going from number one to number two, and the pressure that was put on him. And when he threw that ball over the middle, and Tristan Cooper came, made a hit on Dylan Mitchell uh, on that little shallow route, Boy, that and was lit him up. I mean, I tell you, as a quarterback, you, you could throw 100 interceptions, but you feel the worst. You feel so bad when you lead one of your buddy, one of your teammates, who he loves, and they connect on big plays, and you lead him right in the coverage. And that's on Justin Herbert. And that happens because of the term you brought earlier, happy feet. And, and pressure. He felt pressure. He didn't go to number two. He went right to find Mitchell going across on that shallow. Doesn't see Tristan Cooper coming along, and bam. That was, I'm glad, Dylan Mitchell. That could have been almost a season-ending type of injury or concussion protocol for sure. It was a clean hit as well. Give the uh, you know guy in the secondary credit. Yeah, Cooper. No, Cooper lowered his shoulder. No, not helmet to helmet. It was classic. The way you're supposed to tackle now with your shoulder. Get your eyes up. Your head out of the tackle. Boy, yeah, uh, it's incredible. As for uh, Arizona's air attack, Khalil Tate, 19 for 33, 189 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception that he threw early in the second half. Tell you what, Arizona was giving Oregon an opportunity to get back in this game. You know, after halftime, 23 to 8, first possession, interception by Khalil Tate. It's Very like, first play. Golden platter. Here you go, Ducks. And Neil, gosh, I think we got to keep harping on this. What do they do after the sudden change? They get predictable, they run the ball between the tackles. They fail to pick up a first down, they have to punt the ball. There goes your golden platter, man. You have a chance to get back into the football game on a gift from Khalil Tate, and you throw it away. And Arizona took advantage of it with, with Khalil Tate's feet. There was a screen pass that was set up. It wasn't there. He made some amazing Michael Vick moves. We kind of talked about it. Spun around, makes a no gain or a loss into like an eight-yard uh, positive play. And then three plays later, he hits Poindexter on a really nice skinny eight route, which is the post. Just beautiful ball he throws because he's not the purest passer. Let's face it. Number 14 kind of makes plays by extending them. Mm -hmm. It's his feet. He runs around, makes some plays, but there was a good run-pass option RPO at the end there that he completed really bit uh, all our line, the Oregon's linebackers bit and made a great pass in the Poindexter on that one as well. So uh, you're right. I mean, it, it, it should have been like 28-8 to eight in the first half. Mm -hmm. How many times Arizona got the ball? In, their, in Oregon's territory and did not convert, kept making field goals. One of the quotes from uh, Mario Cristobal after this one, quote, it's not the identity that we established early in the season. It's not the identity that we want, close quote. Well, no kidding. Uh, you know, establishing an identity your first year as a coach is going to be a hard thing to do. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. But whatever identity we felt Oregon may have had after the Washington overtime win, 
They could not be further from that two weeks later. And you under, you just scratch your head and say, what happened? But I guess, Neil, the biggest thing is I wish your college football team made up of 18 to 22-year-olds could be more consistent. Is that an impossible request, though? <laughs> no, and we all expected that after seeing them blow through the preseason, and that's what it was. You really wasn't play, you weren't playing any competition whatsoever. And, you know, Stanford makes a shocking victory at the end. Uh, grasp that victory from you because you had it. That game still goes back. You look at that game and go, man. But Washington gave Oregon a break by missing a field goal. So that's the way it's been in the Pac-12. We saw it today. It's just some great games. Amazing comebacks. Again, way to go, Oregon State. Uh, but I think we do know Mario Cristobal's identity. We know what he wants. I mean, he's going to wear that golf shirt when it's 32 degrees below zero or it's going to be 100 degrees. That's his That's his identity, man. I'm going to be tough. I'm not going to wear, you know, ha- I, that's the way I am. I mean, my coaches are more excited on the sidelines than the players are. They're, they're jumping around, doing more excitement. Their pregame is like Navy SEALs running around doing this, doing that. Man, they are they are pumped, but when it really counts, what, what have we seen for six out of the last eight quarters of football? What have we seen? A mediocre football team, an average football team. And everybody in Duckland doesn't, they just don't expect that. I didn't expect that from the talent they have, what we've seen early on. So some of this talent, you know, coaches better figure out who they are, and your job is to put them in the right places so they can execute so they can get the best out of them. That's what the coach supposed to do. I got to put them in the right situations so they can execute, so we get we can have success. And right now, it, it's not happening. You know, that kind of process from the Oregon coaching staff is going to look silly when you lose like this. But when you win, it looks attractive. You know, that's kind of the catch twenty two. So my thing is, is like you got to look more at the process than you do at the result. The result speaks for itself. It's terrible. But do they need to change their process as well? At what point do you have to look at the way that you're getting your guys ready, the physical practices during the week, the physical pregame warm-ups, and say, ugh, results are dictating. We better change how we're practicing during the week and how we're messaging is to our guys, or is that an overreaction? Well, health will dictate that. I'm curious to see how healthy Oregon comes out of this. And now we're lo- Oregon's losing a couple offensive linemen. I don't know what the update is on Dallas Warmack. Uh, what happened to him? Uh, Dylan Mitchell. Uh, we knew C.J. Bardell going to the game had a hip issue. So you got some guys banged up. And that's what's going to happen in week six, week seven, week eight. Everybody has that. I mean, throughout the Pac-12, you talk about a, one of the greatest coaches we all love is Chris Peterson. Well, how well did they team, their team perform down in, in Berkeley today? They lose. But they didn't have Miles Gaskin, their number one running back. So all, all these teams are going through it. Uh, everybody can use those excuses. Arizona can use a lot of excuses. But they came out on homecoming night. And we're excited. It looks like they took the playbook at whatever Washington State did to get themselves ready without game day. Arizona did that and came out and defensively. I don't know what Marcel Yates gave these guys for pregame meal. Well, whatever you feed these guys pregame meal, you keep on feeding that. Keep on serving that menu because it worked. It really did. I mean, they were flying around with some urgency and pace that I did not expect from that Arizona defense. Looked like, uh, you know, especially... The emotional loss that they had last week at UCLA, maybe you know, emotional is not the right word, but it was a close loss, thirty-one to thirty, with their backup quarterback. Maybe that was it. Having Khalil Tate back and healthy, the homecoming crowd, maybe that was enough to kind of rejuvenate them. But Oregon's got to figure out how to start better. 
I don't know what the keys are to starting the game better other than executing better, but they've got to figure this out, man. I mean, this is this is terrible the way that they started at Wazoo and the way that they started here in Tucson. Um, coming up, they've got UCLA next Saturday. I tell you what, UCLA had an early lead on Utah. Didn't end up going well for them. They lost 41 to 10, but they were up 7 to 3. I don't know if you can trust. That's the problem. There it is. You can't trust. You can't trust this football team. Well, especially what, what, comes we, down what to. we saw, you know, yeah. and that's throughout the Pac-12, and you, you assume they're going to come back home and regroup. They're going to play really well. It's Autzen Stadium, you know, Ducks 45, UCLA 20. But you, you now you can't say that. Based on what we've seen and the performance in the first half against State up in Pullman and now down in Tucson, you're right. I, I can't trust that to say, oh, this should be a blowout. You know, UCLA hasn't had their identity. You know, Spate's going to play. Chip Kelly didn't have his guys. Oregon to blow. Who does Oregon have? Talent-wise, if guys are dinged up and Justin Herbert is going to play like he played, whoa. Yeah. You better make sure you stay for your senior year. I think you nailed it on the head. All right, we'll go away, come back. One more segment. Talk a little bit. Ducks, UCLA, go around the rest of the Pac-12 and Top 25. Final segment, Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Rolls along on 102.9-750 The Game. You're listening to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 102.9 and 7.50 The Game. Got to give a shout-out, Peter Sampson, spinning it behind the glass as always. Great job, Peter. If you're a basketball fan, you can tune in to the last quarter with Peter Sampson. Just about after every Trailblazer game. Trailblazers fall in Miami tonight. Go one-on-one to start the four-game road trip. Damian Lillard. With a 40-plus point night, passes Clyde Drexler for most 40-point nights in uh, Trailblazer history, Neil Lomax. I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty good stat for Dame. Other time. Yeah. Damien, he's doing it. Congratulations. Oh, they lost, though. It's kind of hard. I know mm-hmm. those the NBA guys and even NFL guys, you have those kind of stats. You lose, you feel bad, so you want to make those kind of records uh, when you when you win in a winning effort. And also, besides Peter here, we also want to give props. Portland State. So my Vikings go down to Sacramento, go Vikes. playing those Hornets. They're three and two in the Big Sky, and hosting Idaho State uh, this Saturday at Hillsborough Stadium. But forty-one to fourteen, pasted, absolutely waxed <laughs> Sacramento State down there after killing Northern Colorado uh, before the bye week. And uh, so good for Barney Ball, good for the Vikes, and uh, they got three more Big Sky games to go. So you guys do. get a chance, come out to Hillsborough Stadium and root and support Portland State. It will start with Idaho State next week. Right. It will continue uh, at North Dakota. And then finally home against Eastern Washington, which they're the number one team in the big sky. So that would be that'd be a cool finish if they were uh, like 5-2 and two, uh, going against Eastern Washington. Right. That would be a pretty good, pretty good matchup. Yeah, Hillsborough Stadium will be lit for that. Um, elsewhere in the Pac-12, Number 14, Washington State, 41-38 winners over number 24, Stanford. And Neil Wazoo might find themselves around 11 or maybe 10 when that first college football playoff poll gets released next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Yeah, probably the only Pac-12 school you mentioned maybe in the top 20. Uh, if we have that left, that's sad for the conference. And we that was a point of discussion early on when Washington lost to Auburn in week one. Is this going to be a... Continuing theme that Pac-12 conference and the Power Five 
is not well represented by the quality of football. And we discussed that back and forth. I know you have an opinion on it, everybody does, and it's just kind of the reality, though, is it's kind of true. We're not really just beating ourselves up like the SEC. The quality of play doesn't match these other teams that we've been seeing nationally. No, it does not. You're looking at most likely a Wazoo Utah Pac-12 title game, mm-hmm. which, which honestly will be a pretty fun matchup considering what Utah has defensively and what Wazoo has offensively. You saw Zach Moss run for two eleven and three touchdowns on Friday night down at UCLA for Utah. So mm-hmm. actually, I'd kind of like to see that matchup. And I, well, I'll tell you that don't <laughs> you know? I know you're bashing Oregon already against UCLA next week, but I'm not the, bashing hey, but them. November tenth, just... November tenth, still going to be the game. We're going to hype it all week. It'll be the redeeming game if Oregon come back to reality and start playing well is when they go to Salt Lake City and play the Utes. That that will be a, another signature moment in this, this season. Would you, would you agree with it? I mean, they can no really question. turn around and make a decent bowl game. Boy, what, they, is, they will, they what will does be that bowl mean eligible. anymore? Well, I mean, you know, what, you know what I mean? I mean, it's Papa John's Bowl or it's, you're not going to the Holiday Bowl anymore. Playing like this, you're probably going to go to the Vegas Bowl again, to be honest. Mm. By the way, Utah and Wazoo, uh, needless to say, we did see these two teams play up at Coleman. Remember that crazy finish and Wazoo beat them 28-24? That would probably be the Pac-12 title game that we get again. Um, You know, UW loses to Cal. Backup quarterback for UW comes in, throws four passes. One of them gets pick-sixed. There's your ball game. Cal wins that one 12-10. I mean, that's just a bizarre, bizarre dynamic. How good is Washington anymore? I guess not that good. Uh, elsewhere in the top 25, look, shout out Terry Wilson, the former Oregon Duck quarterback that, Kentucky. that transferred out. He's now playing for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He led his Wildcats on a last-minute drive, go down and uh, take a late lead on an untimed down as Kentucky gets the win over Missouri, and Missouri was favored by a touchdown in that game. 12th ranked Kentucky is going to go into the top 10, Neil. This is big time for Bluegrass. For basketball school, they are. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're they happy in Kentucky with that. That was a wild game in Missouri because Missouri's not a bad football team either. Drew Locke, um, good quarterback. It's, it's those SEC teams, and that's what James Scrippa keeps talking about, those SEC powerhouses. And you know, that's great for And uh, who's the ex Oregon State quarterback at Fresno State? Marcus McMarion. McMarion. Absolutely balled out today. Playing very well. They crushed Hawaii. So a little shout out to him because the Beavers played really well today too. So obviously. And how about one more? Lake Ridge High Zone, Eric yeah. Dungey. Well, he's he's had a great career. It's not just this year, but last year he played well too with for the Orange, the Orangemen at Syracuse. They rolled North Carolina State in the dome. In the dome, fifty-one to forty-one, and NC State was number twenty-two in the country. Next week, NC State, Florida State. By the way. We'll see how that goes. But Dino Babers runs a real fun ship at Q's, and he's got a great QB in Lake Ridge High's Eric Dungy. Goes for four total touchdowns, three through the air, one on the ground. Goes for over uh, 400 yards passing, does Dungy. That's just great, man. That's exciting. I good, love, good for him, for the local boys. It is good. Um, and uh, before we get out, we take a look at next week's schedule in the Pac-12, and it starts with Oregon taking on Chip Kelly. Early read on that game, I guess Oregon's going to be favored, but... Mm-hmm. Just can't trust this team. Now they're back home, though. How much does it help to get back home and see Chip Kelly come to Autzen? That's going to be bizarre. Yeah, I mean, that that's an added segment of what we'll talk about with, would be the return of Chip Kelly to, to Autzen. But it was a 19-plus point spread. Now it's going to be maybe eight, maybe seven and a half. Yeah. But really, how, how do you judge who what Oregon team? But they're home. 
So they'll, they'll be favored. You know, UCLA is definitely going to be the dog coming this one. But that's, that's a storyline. It's an exciting storyline because obviously the play on the field is not that exciting. So we'll talk about Chip Kelly against Mario Cristobal. How about a good one in the South? Utah at Arizona State. Both teams coming off big, big road wins. What time is that game? You know, you got it right. is that the, ESPN is that the doesn't have it up for some they reason. They might pop at the seven thirty game. Yeah. Usually, usually if it's at Arizona State, it might be Pac twelve at night. Uh, and especially the performance that we saw in the Coliseum against USC, uh, good for Herm Edwards. And it's just going to be a crazy last what three or four weeks. Yeah, it's all the way through Thanksgiving. Absolutely wild. It's going to be 1 o'clock next week on the Pac-12 Network. So afternoon game. So that'll be a lot of fun. You'll also have Stanford at Washington. I don't know. Stanford won't be ranked. We'll see if Washington is. Colorado at Arizona. Uh, Pick them. Yeah. I don't like that spot for Colorado now. Yeah. You know, and uh, you got USC at Oregon State. Let's go, Beavs. (laughs) Home game after that. And then you got Wazoo hosting Cal. 7.45 7.45 p.m. So that's the Pac-12 at night. That's Pac-12 after How cold Cal. is that game going to be? Yeah, Ooh. it'll be a bit nippy. Ooh. Today's weather was awesome. Well, apparently not for the Ducks. Not for duck weather. No, <laughs> it was not. It might be raining here in Autzen. Yeah. All right, Neil. Uh, happy Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah, it's midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight, so let's <laughs> sign off, all right? I know that. Let's <laughs> get on home. For the College Football Hall of Famer, Neil Lomax, I'm Judah Newby. Shout out Peter Sampson. Thanks, James Crepia, joining us before on the uh, pregame show as well. Join us at 2.30 next week, Saturday afternoon, for the pregame show with Oregon taking on Chip Kelly and UCLA ahead of a 4.30 kickoff. This has been the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Check out all our content at 1029thegame.com. Peace.